All right, all right. Hello, everybody. We are live. Now, I know we have some people that are joining us. Hey, Mark is here already. Mark says, good afternoon, everyone. How about that? Um, I, I usually give it a little bit of time for people to come in, but looks like Mark is here. Here's what I want you guys to do. As you enter our live today, tell me where you're from. Drop it in the chat. Better yet, drop your favorite emoji in the chat. I want to see what your favorite emojis are. We got, you know what? I'm betting this is Pozo again. Pozo, you're still not showing up. You're showing up as LinkedIn user. I know it's my buddy Pozo. Heather Perry. Hey, Pe Heather, how are you? You need to email me. We hadn't talked in a long time. Let's catch up. Christine Murray. Hey, Christine. Guys, drop your favorite emoji in the chat for me. I want to see what your favorite emojis are. You know, that is so funny that you say that because I have on my list, no one better steal this, is I want to have um, an artist do fraud emojis. Ooh, now yeah. that would be kind of cool. Yeah. But Christine is making the silly face. Now I'm okay. betting this is Pozo, LinkedIn yeah, user the with a purple, purple heart. heart. Yep. Hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Mark says he wants some of that slick techno ability. Hey, Mark, for a one time phenomenal fee, you can rent me. <laughs> um, I, I vote for Stephanie's as my favorite so far. Uh, <laughs> You know, for me, though, it would have to be something a little bit stronger, like a bourbon straight. <laughs> oh, this LinkedIn user says, no, it wasn't. So that's that's not Pozo. That's somebody else this Ooh. time. Oh, boy. Like a, a stalker. <laughs> Mark is saying money, money. Mo hey, that's a good one for fraud. Mm -hmm. Stephanie from the Seattle area. What are you here for, Stephanie? <laughs> here for what? Okay. Laughs. Wine. <laughs> Mark has done the fraud emoji. Oh, that's Tracy. That's Tracy with the purple heart. Hey, Tracy. Tracy, your LinkedIn settings are set to private, so we can't see you on the live. On the replay, you will show up though, so that's good. Mark is saying that someone's a lush. It might he might be talking about himself. I'm not real sure. Oh, maybe he's talking about Joe. Oops, my bad. Danielle is at the circus or all the people that you work with are they crazy is that what you're trying to tell us because you're on a circus okay I, I should stop I, i'm getting people in trouble here hey heather no heather knows me well thank you heather yes 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 how money and fire now you're gonna burn the money because it was fraudulently obtained or like what i sorry I, i'm just trying to figure this hey you guys we have a special announcement to make um Next week and possibly the week after, Kelly's going to be gone. So is there anyone that would like to be a special guest co-host? And I mean, really, the biggest part of the job is keeping me in line. So that is just that's the biggest part of the job. But if you'd like to be a special guest co-host, possibly for two weeks or maybe just one week and then we'll do another person the next week. Hadn't really decided yet. Shoot either of us an email and just let us know. Uh, basically, send us your resume or headshot, your qualification. I'm joking. I'm joking. That, that, <laughs> look, I am just joking. Look, all you really need is to be able to talk to people, not be shy and have a decent sense of humor and can put up with me. And you're golden. 
It's so, fun. It is so fun. Uh, here's Pozo. You, she's identifying herself now. Christine said she missed the intro question. Just jumping in to see what we're up to. Christine, we didn't have an intro. Oh, you mean the 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 nice little music video? You missed that. Shame on you. It's always available though on the event page. <laughs> Mark says he can't be a special guest because he can't keep his mouth shut. We like people over here that are loud mouths. Okay. You know what? It's about six after. I think we probably have as many people as we're going to get in today. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Some people are just lurking. Hal is still doing emojis. <laughs> this is probably what the governor of Colorado is feeling like right about now. So we're going to do a quick update on uh, Colorado, you guys, if I can get myself together here. Now, for those of you who live in Colorado, you probably get that right. Coors, the king of beers, Colorado. Um, maybe the governor was drunk when he anyway. Last week, we talked about a story from Colorado where the governor said that, well, basically, if you needed unemployment benefits, he was not he, he weighed the ID requirement. So you didn't have to check identification. And he discovered that, well, guess what? Fraud occurred to the tune of about two billion dollars that they know of so far. So now there's an about face that has happened. Coloradans are now facing long hours as the payments are being delayed. But that's good. I mean, we have controls in place. Here's what I want to say before we move on. This is just a quick update. As an auditor or just anybody, if you see something, please say something. Somebody should have said, I don't care what his position is. Somebody should have said, hey, look, Gov, Gov, this is this is not good, man. Look, fraud can occur. Because if you look at it, he's had to do an about face. And now the citizens are still complaining because they're waiting in long lines. How about we make them wait in long lines? Well, we don't really don't want to do that. How about we hire enough staff to get the checks out the door and we don't lose two billion dollars with a B now, not M with an, not not million billion with a B. So now we're going to go to our next story or our first story for today. This one comes out of Kentucky. Now, here's what they did in Kentucky. The governor signed an executive order creating. Hmm, let me see if I can get this right, you guys, because it's a long name. The Kentucky Unemployment Insurance Fraud Detection and, Pre and Prevention Task Force. Whew, that's a mouthful. Now, what they're going to do is they're going to coordinate with state and federal entities to get this detect, investigate, prosecute and prevent unemployment insurance fraud in Kentucky. <laughs> you know what I, you know what I think is really interesting about all this is we're having 50 different widgets made when it should be all of us helping each other out. So we don't have a Kentucky one. We don't have a Colorado one. And how many people in our economy move? And then you have to deal with another state. So why can't we have some, I mean, is this like silly? Am I being Pollyanna-ish to think we have like some controls? And I don't want to say like federally, but best practices, put all the best minds together to do. And, you know, and then you can tweak little things. Is that Pollyanna-ish? I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Well, I was just thinking, you know, using this ID.me program that, you know, I think that's the one the majority of the states are using, which is what Colorado just adopted, is kind of like what Kelly's talking about, a best practice. But what I worry about is the third party vendor issues that we're bringing into it. So we want to talk about fraud and third party vendors. And now this vendor is the one that's having the issues systematically 
technically, you know, the, the long verification process and people not being able to get through their system, you know, which state is betting that of all of them that are using it. So to me, it's like, I agree, coordination at least, let's all use the same vendor, let's get this vendor checked and verified and audited too. So anyway, just my sense. Yeah, okay, no. so Mark says, we don't want federal controls, but some reciprocity between states would be very effective. Yeah, like I, I don't want some like overreaching thing, but have a task force, like a 50 state task force or, you know, we do that for, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. All right, so look, let me tell you guys, Here, here's my thought on this. As I read the newspaper articles and then the executive order that was released, a few things popped up to me. So here's, here's just one thing on the screen. The Office of Unemployment Insurance has added a new welcome screen to the claimant website with a more secure login. They also updated the fraud form to report identity theft that was on the site. They began using ID.me, as Joe just said. Then they implemented reCAPTCHA and adopted new measures for out-of-state pandemic unemployment assistance. So basically what they did are the things that most companies are doing right now as a minimum baseline standard to protect your website. Right. I, you know, so this just baffles me. But but again, in, in, in the in the in the auspice of sounding like Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. So. They announced on Friday that they were going to stop all claimants from making changes to bank account. Wait a minute. Is this the right one? I might be on another story now. Yeah, no, no. For, for making changes to their bank account. So the issue was someone was going in and making changes to people's bank accounts and changing where the money was being sent. So now they're going to stop people from making changes to their bank accounts. And then if you notice down here, this last point, it says the agency will soon require new and existing claimants to create more complex PIN numbers. In addition, all new claimants <sighs> will only be paid by paper check effective immediately. So what do you guys think about that? That What do you guys think about that? Well, um, as someone who has problems with the U.S. Postal Service, the idea of a paper check frightens me because, you know, I, um, and it's not getting any better. And then what Mark said, there should be entities in place. Again, this is like, who here makes a lot of money on fraud prevention? No, we make it on fraud, fraud investigation. Penny wise, pound foolish. I know in Oregon, we had a bunch of money to bring the system up to date for years that sat in the bank and no one did anything. So they even had the money and they still wouldn't spend it on the systems. All right, so let's make this a little bit more interesting. Here's what the executive order also said. On numerous occasions, the OUI has encouraged claimants to create complex PIN numbers to prevent unauthorized access. Okay, so let me just throw this out here. Here's, here's a wild idea. Instead of encouraging them, how about you make your system force them because you should be looking out for the best interest of your ultimate customer, which are the citizens that pay taxes in your state. So now we're finally doing this after we've seen fraud that occurred. And then we're going to put an extra burden on people because, as you just pointed out, Kelly, the U.S. Postal Service is it, it's not as good as it used to be. But then also not everyone wants to get out and go to the bank. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that we uh, we had that uh, 
live check policy and, and we wanted to like rip it up at my last organization because we didn't want live checks floating around because what is that uh you know go to so anyway seems seems to be going a little bit in past retro uh there a little bit and Stephanie Stephanie, brings up a good yeah, point. people yeah. open and close new bank accounts due to fraud or just you know anything mm -hmm. so yeah in Oregon, yep. I know they forced people to use a prepaid debit card, but then there were fees on it. And it's like, there's just, if nothing else from COVID and Joe and uh, Robert and I were messaging beforehand, um, <laughs> have we learned anything that the world has changed? And I taught for six hours yesterday and I was wiped out. And my daughter said, how did you guys used to work eight hours and then go out afterwards? So, <laughs> um, you know, let's use COVID to make things better. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Hal brings up an interesting point, as Hal always does. Let's take as long as possible to, to put money in the hands of people who really need the money. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but here's the other thing, too. So, Hal, see, I love Hal because Hal challenges me to think. So, Hal, what do you think about this? But also now we've made it where the government actually makes additional money because of the float time. Now they make more money on the interest. So now we've made it harder for their ultimate consumer, but easier for them to get more revenue. Now, you know, only a nerdy accountant would actually think that, right? Yeah, Holly, um, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heather says it's like two steps forward and two steps back. Well, Heather... I'll up the ante. It's like two steps forward and then a few giant leaps backward, right? We, we've gone back to the 80s and 90s at this point. So, hey, there's my buddy Mark. <laughs> and and we didn't, you know, we didn't do this, but I'm just thinking about this. Like, okay, what are the other countries doing? Like, what are other countries doing? We're not the only ones with COVID and huge amounts of unemployment compensation. So why Ooh. haven't our what our governments look to New Zealand and Germany and wherever else um, to again best practices? It doesn't have to be statewide or national. It could be worldwide. Yeah. So so now let's go back to this again. This is started in Kentucky because what they noticed was some people's bank accounts were being changed when they saw that. What they did was they implemented controls to secure the information to log on to the state's system for unemployment claims, which that those controls should have been in place to begin with. Then they said people will now receive paper checks, which makes it harder on them. Then they also said there was something else in the notice that said um, there had been no security breaches that they're aware of. Right. Which makes sense because it wasn't a security breach per se. It was individual accounts that were being compromised. So individual accounts were being compromised. And instead of forcing the controls that should have been in place to begin with, they now made it harder for people to get the money, like Hal said, when they actually need it. Again, if you live in Kentucky and you're an auditor and you have an ear to the, the, the governor's office, speak up. And I know it's hard to say something sometimes because of people's position and authority. But my goodness. Anyway, you guys want to weigh in on this one? This one has actually got me a little, I wouldn't say upset, but just confused um, and considering uh, to, it said in this one to date more than 63 billion 
in fraudulent benefits has been paid nationwide. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that number. That's a huge number, unless I'm crazy. 63 billion there. You, Robert, put it on the screen for you. That's, this is a crazy, crazy issue. So yeah. is, are these little things the things that matter? They need to be focusing on the things that matter, right? It's the same things we talk about as auditors. You know, where are the biggest risks? And let's start focusing on those and consistently across the states. So there's a few things that should be happening here. Yeah, well, I have a great yeah. quote that I use for a polling question. There is no kind of dishonesty into which otherwise good people more easily and more frequently fall than that of defrauding the government. Who said that, guys? There is no kind of dishonesty into which otherwise good people more easily and more frequently fall than that of defrauding the government. Who think? Oh. Anyone? What? Anyone? Okay, I'm. It's not a president that we were alive for. Okay. And while you guys are thinking about that, <laughs> thank you, Thomas. Thomas is testing the controls here, I see. <laughs> and how many kids do you have, Thomas? Do you have like 12? <laughs> ben Franklin, Heather, hey, Heather. You are the winner. Heather is very smart. Heather is one of my friends. I've known Heather for a very long time. And you understand, you guys, when, when you're like me and not that smart, you have to be around very smart people. So... Good answer, Heather. Hey, Billy's here. Billy. I'll send Billy. Heather. I, I'll send Heather a copy of my book this time since Kelly did one last time. I can do oh, mine. Awesome. So Heather, message me. And uh maybe you'll see another Ben Franklin Franklin quote. Hal says he only has 12 kids on tax returns. <laughs> now Thomas is saying he just has two, but you know, yeah, you could claim 12. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point. And Heather, Mark is saying you look smart. Mark, she is very smart. Smarter than both of us combined. <laughs> Never underestimate a woman. It's one of my hashtags. <laughs> oh, boy. Holly is saying as a contractor for various states, unclaimed property departments. Yeah, yeah. It will be a cash cow for them. Yeah, it will be. You're right. Heather says, cool. Anytime. <laughs> All right. So look, you guys, we got about 10 minutes left. So right now we have a decision point. We could go on to our next story or we could keep making fun. of. I, we could keep talking about this. <laughs> we could keep talking about this one for a little while. But here's what I'm going to do. Since we are a little short on time, uh, I'm going to actually get Kelly to talk about one thing she has coming up that you guys might be interested in. Well, it's only coming up because of Joe. So <laughs> I have done a virtual, I think I've done two of them with you, Joe, maybe? Yeah, one or two? yeah. Yeah. And they are so much fun, you guys. Like, I am such a fraud nerd and Joe is a fraud nerd. So we are doing the book, which I don't even see. Oh, I just had to order more. Um, uh, on May 13th. And it will be a ton of fun. And I think that like Joe is brilliant for doing the virtual CPE book club. Um, so yeah, please come. It'll be fun. You guys will laugh. I promise. Hashtag fraud humor. So yeah, definitely. So I like the, I, 
If we could sneak in the um, last story, because I think people are going to go crazy over it. Oh, we are definitely going to sneak it in. This is just our intermission. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, Joe, why don't you tell them about the monthly CPE book club? Well, I love to read. You can see all of my books on my shelf. So I decided why not? I'll read the books. And then if you guys don't have time to read them, I will tell you about them. Uh, so I take out the good tips and tricks out of the books. So I'll get to do that uh, out of Kelly's. And the good thing is about Kelly and Roberts, who's also going to tell you about his coming up, uh, they'll be there to tell you about it. So most months I just pick a book uh, and tell you about it. But these two months coming up are special because I get to invite my friends to come tell you about their books. So, uh, but I have one about every month. So check out cpebookclub.com. And did you guys hear that? You get CPE credit for coming to a book club where you don't have to read the book. <laughs> now I'll say that that's gotta be a benefit. And then she has this weird guy coming up in uh, what a few days, actually what next yeah. week. Yeah. There's this one guy who wrote a book talking about asking questions. I, you know, I think you guys should probably skip him because he's going to be very boring and it may not be a good session, but um, if, if you want to attend the book club with whoever that guy is on the screen, I highly recommend this book. It's available uh, anywhere you you find books. But no, seriously, this is our intermission, you guys. Let's get to our next story. And you guys are going to have to excuse me for just one moment while I do just a little bit of housekeeping to get us back to that next story. Because this one, <sighs> this one is quite interesting and uh, very disappointing. Uh, in my opinion. So let's talk about it. What we have here is Lenox Hill Hospital in Manhattan. And what they did was they advertised COVID testing on a large blue banner outside of their hospital. But what they didn't tell people was that they were going to charge them and their insurance company exorbitant fees for the test. As you can see here, someone said in the headline in their newspaper, it felt like deception. An elite NYC hospital charges huge virus test fees. So what ended up happening was the test typically cost about $135. They build as much as $3,000, $4,000, sometimes $5,000 for the COVID-19 test. All right. So, Joe, Kelly, what do you guys think about this? So my sister-in-law is actually here from New York City, and we were walking the dog the other day. And we actually talked about this before I even knew we were going to talk about this today. New York doesn't have a lot of hospitals. And my thing, my take on it before I, you know, this was there was a doctor out in like Connecticut or Long Island who also was charging a really high fee, but it was like a single doctor's practice. And I said, you know, that's terrible. But what's way, 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 way worse is a hospital as an organization. So yes, there is a bad bad doctor who wants to make money, but an organization to do this, I'm horrified. I just, it, it was an organization. There was the board. There was way worse than a solo. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? I agree. I think, um, I think it, it's sad to me because I, I'm even having trying to have some preventative tests done and insurance is denying them. And it, there are things that I think I'm proactively trying to do for my health. And then I look at things like this and I think, gosh, this is the first time I've, I've, get, I've felt bad for the insurance companies, you know, being the one, you know, and how often can you say that? 
I, I feel like at least. So it's it's been kind of an interesting shift for me to say, wow, this is this is kind of this is why the insurance companies try to stick it to us a little bit is because they get it stuck it to <laughs> stuck to them, right? And so- you know what you you said it right. Here's what one lady said in a news article. She said it was shocking to see a number like that. When I've gotten tested before for about $135, said Anna Rowe, who was billed $3,358 for a test at Lenox Hill last month. And on top of that, here's what one uh, uh, UC California uh, professor had to say. This is such a goldmine for hospitals because now they can charge emergency fees for completely healthy people that just want to be tested. Because what they were doing is they were charging emergency room fees. So the way it works, when you go into the emergency room, there's a special fee that they can charge your insurance company. And so they were charging that fee for the COVID test and then some. They marked it up by as much as 300 percent in some cases. Yeah. And they were saying that. Um, you know, they even had a sign outside the door. You know, that was a big thing, like come in and get your COVID testing. So they had like a, a, a what, a kindergarten teacher or something, a, a preschool teacher come in, even though she was asymptomatic, she wanted to protect her kids. So she saw the sign and went in and then ended up with like a $3,000 bill. So, you know, what they said they did in response just cracked me up. Well, we took our sign down. Like it's not outside to walk by anymore. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Right there. Well, and see, the thing with that teacher, because I read her story with her, she said that her insurance was not the best insurance and that her deductibles were extremely high. So she didn't expect to have to pay anything or or very minimal out of pocket. Therefore, the bill that she had to pay alone on top of her insurance company really shocked her and especially on a teacher's salary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, my sister-in-law is in the nonprofit world and I can't remember what, but what does the CEO make per year there? I, I want to say it's in the millions and maybe even, you know, eight figures. So, and, and there's probably like a um, a bonus for, you know, profitability. And they're seeing COVID as profitability. Well, yeah. And, and here's the thing. So as a former chief auditor in healthcare, I, I, I was chief auditor over hospitals there's a process, right? Before you raise or lower your fees, there's a process that you go through and the amounts that you're charging has to be approved or should be if you have a good internal control structure. So this wasn't done in a vacuum unless there's just bad control. So so for the hospital to say that they were unaware, you're now admitting that you had bad controls for your pricing. Now, if they were aware, you're saying that we did this on purpose to fleece the insurance companies. So there's no good way to look at this from a control standpoint and from an ethical business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one of my kids had to have a medical procedure done that was elective recently. And we they knew we were going to private pay. And the, the physician's assistant was like, I feel so bad, but I literally don't know what we charge. And I'm like, you don't know what you charge. She's like, no, I have no idea. Like, how is it we have an industry that doesn't know what, like, the providers themselves? She's like, it could be 300, it could be 1200. And I'm like, ah, you know, we did it, but like, wow, how do they not know? I mean, do you ask your brain surgeon, what's that going to cost me? Like, no. <laughs> now, here's Pozo. As a native New Yorker, this feels so wrong. Premium pricing shouldn't apply to pandemics. Yep. 
I like Christine's uh, last post there, comment. Power, Perfect. prestige, profits. Not the a good thing. Yeah, the peas. Yeah. yeah. When do we, you know, really do what that business roundtable is, is saying they're doing, put the purpose over the profits? When will we see that everywhere? Hal said he made seven figures last year, but that included the numbers <laughs> to the right of the decimal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Trent is here. So is Bonita. Hey, Bonita Lee. Hey, Trent. I like Mark's comment too about uh, U.S. is focused on medication over prevention. When do we get to be proactive and preventative about everything, even fraud? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for the people who just um, joined, I don't know, Robert, if you've gotten anyone, but we threw out the who wants to replace Kelly next week because I'm going to be in the air. Yeah, scary in the air, but I have my vaccines. All right, guys. So you, you heard it. Kelly is abandoning us for two weeks. She's going to be somewhere uh, in Mexico on the beach while we're here talking about fraud. So if you would like to be a guest co-host, again, one of the many perks of the job is that you get to work with Joe. And one of the many downfalls of the job is that you have to work with me. So <laughs> if you want to be a co-host for one week, maybe even two, because she'll be gone for two. But, you know, we may not like you and we might want to get rid of you. Um, so send us either of us an email or all three of us and we'll vet you, which really is the vetting really is whoever can bring the best snacks to the party. Um, <laughs> we'll vet you thoroughly and we'll have a co-host next week, a guest co-host. <laughs> Mark says if he was an audit person, he would. Well, Mark, you, you're so you guys don't know Mark bent cover. Mark is a friend of mine. This is a phenomenal guy. He's understating his abilities. He used to do like Lean Six Sigma stuff. He has a degree in engineering. He plays like a hundred different instruments like Prince. He does video production, all kinds of stuff that you just wouldn't imagine looking at his picture, right? Just... <laughs> Sorry, well, Mark, Martha's, I had to. Martha wants to know what topic. If you want to be a guest, you could maybe like influence what topic. We're very kind of like, hmm, what should we talk about this week? There's so much hey, fraud out there. I know Martha. Hey, Martha, what? Anyway, I'll have to shoot you an email or a text or something. You, Martha, you know what? We 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 have a list of fraud cases and then we just, it's like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, right? Well, actually, no, that would be hard. This is real easy. We just reach into our barrel of laughs and we just pull up one and I say, here are the two we're going to talk about. And then I have one that's a contingency and we just research and go for it. Mark yeah, says there's always fraud. You can always send us uh, your ideas too. I love seeing those pop in my inbox. So send us your fraud ideas. Well, Hal has already sent the snacks. Uh, <laughs> Donuts. And I think I am in the same position as Mark. Face for radio, definitely. That right here. Yeah, I'm with you. Martha says that sounds good. Now, Bonita, Bonita Lee. It will come from a compliance aspect. Benita, we just talk. I mean, you you see this. There's no real prep. And, you know, I, I'm overstating that because we actually do prep some. Uh, somebody's nominating Mark, and I don't know which Mark or who is nominating Mark. 
<laughs> but yeah, so you guys, so this week we 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 gave you guys a quick update on Colorado. They've done an about face on not requiring identification. Imagine that ID should be required before you hand out money to people. But they've done the about face after they lost about two billion dollars. So, you know, if you live in Colorado, write your governor, because I mean, I think this is something that you probably should complain about. Joe lives in Colorado. Have you written the governor yet, Joe? I have not. I'll put that on my to do list, Rob. <laughs> oh, and then what was our second story? Well, then Kentucky's task force. Oh, the second one was Kentucky. Yeah. So in Kentucky, they had people logging into customers accounts and changing the bank information. And so in order to combat that, they've actually put some good controls around the passwords for the accounts. And now they're going to make people get the, the money via check. So good job, Kentucky. And then our last story was the hospital where uh, we've upcharged a, a, an exorbitant amount for the COVID test. That's all pretty interesting. Uh, and in the middle of that, we gave you guys an update of what we're doing. If you want to see me at a book club next week with Joe, you can go to her website and you can sign up for that book club. And if you want to see Kelly at the book club in May, you can go there and you can find Kelly. And if you just want to see Joe every month, you can sign up for her book club because she does it monthly. And then Marcus. this was um, Casual Friday, so Joe put on her hat. I have my Trust But Verify from uh, Brian Willingham, Diligencia. So this was Casual Friday. So for, for you guys listening, how many of you guys is Casual Friday for you every Friday? <laughs> <laughs> every day. Not we just were, every Friday, every day. Right. We were talking earlier and uh, not really sure if we want to go back to, quote unquote, whatever normal life is. Now, we're coming close to the end of our program for today. But here's what I want you guys to do as we part. Again, drop for me your favorite emojis in the chat, your favorite parting emojis. If I could drop it into the chat, mine would be the peace sign. But for some reason where I'm streaming now, I can't drop into the chat my favorite emoji. Mark, can you see my hat now? It says Southern Girl at Heart. I wore it just for Robert. <laughs> there in Alabama. And maybe our Kentucky story a little bit. I had to, I got it for my birthday last week. I had to support it. Sweet home. That was Tracy that nominated Mark Anderson to be our co uh, host next week. <laughs> Hal said it's today, Friday. <laughs> yeah, Hal, today is Friday. And. What I want to do is thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for putting up with us. Hopefully you had as much fun as we did. And we are signing off. And if you want to see that video one last time, here it comes. <laughs>